Um, I started thinking about the old um, classic book by Charles Dickens. You may remember and realize what I'm talking about as I tell you. But it's about an orphan boy in an orphanage. He's nine years old and he's being worked to death. Um, the, the, all the boys there are being worked very, very hard. And there comes this dramatic moment in the movie and in the book where he is prodded by his friends and essentially draws the short straw to go back up to the table where they serve and to ask for more. You may remember that moment. It's a pretty dramatic moment that happens. Um, and the response that comes is unequivocally with disgust. Like, as if to say, how could you dare ask for more? How, how could you think that what we've given you is not enough? And I think sometimes we think that God is like that. And I think sometimes we forget how generous God really, truly is. God goes so much further than just <clears throat> what we have currently. And he can take us so much further when Amy preached that message, it stirred something inside of me about being hungry. And I began to think about that story involving Oliver Twist and how he had asked for more. And how sometimes there have been moments in my life where I've asked for more and maybe not felt like I received it. How many of you have ever been there? And so maybe as a result of that, we stop asking for more. But I really think there are some practical things, and you know me, I like to be practical. Uh, there are some practical things that you and I can do in order to increase our appetite for more of God. Now, there, a long time ago, they came out with this phrase, which you may have heard if you've been in church for more than five or ten years, fake it till you make it. Anybody ever heard that phrase? <laughs> there is actually some truth to that. You should think about not faking it until you make it, but speaking it until you believe it. Walking in the truth as you're trying to get to the place that you're trying to get to. And so I think there's some practice that we have to do as believers in order to get more of God. And I think it's a whole lot more practical than we think. I think sometimes when we say, God, I need more of you in my life. We may have this expectation of some mystical experience that we're going to have goosebumps, we're going to have light flashing through a window onto the Bible page that we're reading, and we're going to have this dramatic, you know, that sort of moment. But I really think that as we discipline ourselves and pursue God, He never denies that request. There are some things that the Lord is known to deny. You pray for a million dollars today. You can pray for a million dollars every day for the rest of your life. Chances are you may not receive that. But there are prayers like, God, I need more of you that God will not deny. In fact, the name of this message or the way I've titled it is All In. I think you and I as believers need to be all in. I think I've been preaching that sort of way, that message for my entire ministry. That I think that there are places in our life, no matter how spiritually mature we are, 
that we still have the ability to push a little bit further. Now, this message is not all about activity, and if you just do more, God will be more happy with you. That's not the point of what I want to get across today. What I want to get across today is the fact that I believe that the church that God desires to see on the earth, and the one located here in zip code 39056, is a church that is filled with people who are all in. The depth of our relationship, the depth of your relationship with God is determined by you and you alone. This is a, a like the cornerstone or foundation statement for this message. God is not the one who is responsible. He has already given all and he continues to give all to each and every one of us. Even in the garden, if you're paying attention when you read God's word, God showed up at the same time, at the same place. He was waiting for his children. It was Adam and Eve that no-showed that day in the garden, not God. So the depth of our relationship with God is our responsibility. This is really important for you and I to understand. It is not your Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's not your godly grandmother's responsibility. It's not your parents' responsibility. It is your, it's not your pastor's responsibility. It is your responsibility. And I think we need to take ownership of that. That the depth of our relationship with God is on us. Look at what 1 John chapter 5 says. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 it says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything, that little phrase, according to his will, he hears us. Stop there for a second and look at me. Do you think his will involves you being close to him? Absolutely. Why else would he have given his son? We sang songs to that, to that tune this morning of him giving all for us. So that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. This is a powerful, powerful promise for you and I. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, our God is a hearing God. He is not deaf. He is not dead. Surely he's alive. He sees. He hears. He knows. Amen? And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. In fact, I would say God is just the opposite of that mean man in the Oliver Twist story, who denies him the, the extra portion. God is exactly opposite. I could see God as a character in a movie like that, walking from table to table saying, can I give you some more? Would you like some more? He's offering it to us. The question is, are we all in? Are we accepting of it? James chapter 4, verse 8 gives us a promise it says this and amy mentioned this in the message that she shared draw near to god and he will draw near to you notice there are some activities to do that are written by james cleanse your hands you sinners 
purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there's some things that we need to stop and some things that we need to start in order to draw near to God. But the assurance that we have is that when we draw near to him, he will not deny us, but he will draw near to us. So how do you deepen your relationship with God? That's really the, the crux of the matter or the, the issue at hand. How do I go to a place where I have more hunger? I want to give you five or six different things this morning quickly that will help you deepen your relationship with God. The first is this. Please take notes this morning. You need these. These are good things. Go back and rewatch this on Facebook later this week for the reminders. Number one is this, get consistent. Now, how many of you have ever failed at being consistent? Yes. Okay. How many of you have ever had a New Year's resolution that you broke like five days or less in, right? You just, <laughs> I'm not going to eat sugar this whole year. And you're like, oh, there's more cookies at the New Year's Eve party? Great. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Like we just, we have a problem with being consistent. And if we're honest about it, I think we also have that problem in our spiritual life. There are moments where we struggle with this. And I think discipline is underrated. I think there's a reason why when you're training to be in the military, that when they do your room inspection, if the bed and the corners of the sheets are not tucked correctly, that sergeant will grab those sheets, throw it on the floor, and make you do it all over again. And you say, what does making a bed have to do with going to war? So much you don't even understand. That consistency, that pattern is important. And we've got to be making deliberate efforts in our life to be in church, to be involved, to hearing God's word, to making sure that we practice what is preached. That's an old phrase of, well, they're not practicing what they preach, or you should practice what you preach. That's not just for preachers. That's for all of us, <laughs> that we should practice what we hear. If we're waiting for something mystical, like I said earlier, that would be easy. For God to show up on a mountain in a thunderstorm with lightning strikes and a deep uh, James Earl Jones voice <laughs> um, to, to call your name and to speak to you, that would be incredible. And God does do things like that and has done them before. But you and I, need to focus not on trying to get to that encounter. We need to focus on getting consistent and being disciplined in our walk with the Lord. The second thing is this, and I, I phrased it a little differently than Amy had spoken in her message, but you've got to starve your competing appetites. I have been starving for the last few months, um, some competing appetites. They come back sometimes with a vengeance. Those appetites, they might never go away completely. You've got to keep on working to defeat them. And so you say, well, what, what does that look like? Or what, what exactly are you talking about? Here's the thing. Some of the competing appetites, the appetites of the world 
those things, they may not even be sinful in and of themselves, but if they divert our attention from God, then they are competing with his time. They're competing with the depth of our relationship. Competing appetites could include things like they've been preached about before. Social media, TV, hobbies, things that take, here's something else that would be a competing appetite. And a lot of us are addicted to it. And it's a word called busyness. You say, well, but pastor, I've got a family and I got a job and I got a house and I got to fix things and I got this and I got that. We do. We have a lot of things to do on our plates. We always will. But the idea is we've got to starve the competing appetites, not the healthy ones. Having a family, spending family time doing those necessary things in this life, having a job. Those are important. I'm not saying go quit your job on Monday. I'm going to be a monk now and just follow Jesus. No, there are things in life that are important as well. But if you are involved in these other things and feeding those appetites, chances are we get to a place where we're so exhausted, we can't even engage in the presence of God. We can't even experience the rest that he wants to bring to us. And really, only you can answer the question for yourself. And I would challenge you to actually come up with an answer in your head right now when I ask you this question. What competing appetite do you need to starve this week in order to deepen your relationship with the Lord? The third thing is this. Examine your heart. When we take communion in a few moments, you'll often hear the encouragement. I'll go ahead and give it to you now. Scripture declares that we should examine our hearts before we take communion. We encourage you to spend a quiet moment at your seat before you come up to receive the elements in a few minutes. And just have a moment with God, Lord, and maybe maybe everything is okay. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, you're praying for others, and you're doing the things that you know to do in your spiritual walk. So here's what I do. I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, expose to me what it is in my heart that doesn't please you. And then all of a sudden, my mind, not really, the Holy Spirit, helps my mind remind myself. It, I remember a moment of a, an argument with my wife, something mean that I said that I shouldn't have said. And I have a moment to be able to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me fix this? That's what that's about when we say during communion. But I think there's a spiritual discipline that you and I should be doing on an ongoing basis of examining our heart. One of the things that I've been doing as I've lost some weight and gained some muscle and I still have much more to go um, in my goals of my, my plan and that kind of thing, I have to stand on a scale. I've got to evaluate where I am today compared to where I was tomorrow. That's the same exact thing that we so easily forget to do when it comes to our spiritual walk. So chances are, if you sense no hunger at all for God's word or for being in church and with the family of God, something is wrong. Something is wrong. 
I don't know about you. We do have a newborn not in service right now. He's out there, but we've had plenty of newborns in this church. I've had some newborns in my own home, our own newborns. There is nothing like the terrible, unhappy nature of a newborn that's hungry, that cannot communicate, mommy, I need something to eat. A newborn that's just needing and craving that milk. Look at what First Peter chapter 2, the apostle Peter puts it so well. He says this, like newborn infants. I think I gave you the wrong reference. Oh, go to verse 2, sorry. There you go. They'll pull it up in a second. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And this verse, the first verse, is very important. I think the Apostle Peter is hitting in on something, saying your life is filled. Thank you for that. Now go back to verse 1. Your life is filled with malice, or your heart is filled with malice, with deceit, with hypocrisy, with envy, with slander. Like newborn babies, you should long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If there's not a small level of hunger in your heart for the things of God, for his presence, for a depth in your relationship with God, then there is something missing. Evaluate your heart. Maybe it's just that it needs to be uncovered. You've been taming that appetite for far too long and trying to not let it out. But maybe you just need to spend some dedicated time in God's presence. I enjoyed so much. Um, my Sunday mornings are pretty full. Get up very early in the morning. Well, I usually go to bed very late on Saturday nights. I work two jobs. That, well, this being my second, uh, but my first and primary focus. So by the time the weekend hits, I'm doing work for my message on Saturday, really dedicating myself, staying up often late at night, and then getting up early in the morning. Oftentimes when I'm working to finish the message, I have worship music playing in the background. This morning, the thought occurred to me about a song, an old, old worship song that I hadn't heard in years. And so I looked it up on iTunes and I started playing it. And instantly in that moment, I, I just had this connection with the Lord. Now, it was something sentimental in my heart, but it opened me up to a deeper moment to say, God, I remember what it was like. And I want it again. Lord, help me. Help me to experience your presence. Even in a better and a deeper and a stronger way than that great moment that I remember. There is such a thing as you and I stirring ourselves up to hunger and dedicating or, or being disciplined to actually stir ourselves up and say, you know what? There was a moment. I remember. I remember being a teenager going on a missions trip and being hungry for God and him changing the lives of those around me. I remember and, and just fill in the blank, whatever your situation is. It's so good. It's so wise. I love the, the, the behavior of the people of Israel throughout their history. When they were traveling, they would set up altars. And oftentimes you read, 
why are we doing this here? We might not ever come back this way. That's just layman's phrasing, okay? It's just casual terms. And you'll hear this phrase repeated throughout the Old Testament because when we do pass this way and my children ask me why this is here, I'll tell them this is where I encountered God. Your kids and your grandkids need to encounter God. Thank you. For sending them to camp. Man, what an awesome, powerful time that was. I was thinking as I drove home from camp, you know, we ought to have grown-up camp. <laughs> I think they call it camp meeting. That's what they used to call it. And um, I think that that's not a bad thing. I think for a while, you know, putting a sign out on the highway that said revival services, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it kind of got old. But maybe there's a, a secret <laughs> To something involving that. Some dedicated time of just showing up and seeing God show out because we are all in. And when we're all in, I can assure you, he is not half in. He is all in as well. So just like that newborn, which I've held a newborn who was hungry, who started rooting around on my chest, not going to happen. But rooting around, looking, trying to find the source of the milk. Here is the idea that you need to understand as a believer. That is what the Apostle Peter is speaking to the people, that you ought to be that hungry infant. And if you're not, something is amiss. Something's a foul. Something's not right. So evaluate your heart. Evaluate your hunger level. The fourth thing is this. Apply the truth. Apply the truth of God's word to your life and your situation. Because hearing without doing is inoculating. That would be a medical term. You could use the word which is very prevalent in our society today vaccination or vaccinating, if you hear and do not do, you are essentially building up a shield or a calloused area and you are causing yourself to get to the place where you can hear and not experience change. But when you do what the word of God declares we should do is blessed are those who hear, not only hear the word, but do it as well. Then you are living on the path of deepening your walk with the Lord. When we hear without doing, it reinforces the lie that God's word can't change my life. That it doesn't make a difference whether I read it or not. If I keep hearing it and not doing any of it or not doing what I know to do and not applying the truth, it's so important that we understand if we want to deepen our relationship with God, we've got to practice what we've heard preached. We've got to practice what the word of God says. Applying truth makes change that works in our life. It helps us to conform. The Bible says there's so many different passages, and I won't give all the references to you. But one of the biggest passages in the New Testament that talks about this says that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That his character would be 
formed inside of us that we shouldn't be conformed to the world. But let me put it to you like this. We should be conformed to the word. And that's a whole different thing. They are truly two different worlds. As we allow the Holy Spirit to use his word, though, in our life, and we apply that word and that truth, real transformation can take place. I truly believe this with all of my heart, that miracles happen when we apply the truth of God's word. When we live in a place, I could put it another way, a very simple way, obedience. And I thought about this in relationship to the message this week. There are plenty of people who desire to obey, but they have a listening problem. (laughs) My kids want to obey. They want to keep daddy happy. They want to keep mommy happy. It's not that they don't. There might be a struggle where they want to disobey because they're lazy or they choose not to do something. But sometimes they just need to be observant and listen. They just need to actually hear And so I thought about that with this point of applying the truth, actually not just going through the motions, but actually hearing and applying or doing the word of God. I think when we do this, we become more aware than ever of our need for him. When we're confronted by the word of God and things in the word of God that say, forgive or give or do this or do that, then all of a sudden we're convinced of the fact that we're not capable of doing that without his help. We're not capable of having joy. We're not capable of having peace in our life. We're not capable of those things outside of his help. So apply the truth of God's word to your life. The fifth thing is this, Make simple adjustments. Now, I say this not to try to cause a, a, a diet craze to happen in our church. But I'm going to tell you, if you've ever made a simple adjustment in your earthly diet, in your physical food diet, and you've seen a change pretty quickly, you know what I'm talking about. You can make a simple adjustment, and you can see some good results but maybe what worked last year isn't working now. Maybe you need to do something really practical, like change up your schedule. Maybe you need to go to bed earlier and get up, get up earlier. You don't need to go to bed earlier. There are some people that go to bed pretty early around here. And um, so don't, that's not a point for you, okay? Think about the other options, okay? There's going to be conversation at lunch today about this. <laughs> I can already feel it. But maybe you need to change your schedule. Maybe there's a simple adjustment you need to do. Maybe you need to get a different reading plan. Maybe you need to own up. Us guys, we're not really good about this. Ladies, they're on Facebook. I I need more of Jesus. Somebody, let's go to brunch and let's read the Bible together. I love it. Let's do it. It's great, and I, I'm not making fun of it. I'm, ma- I'm making light of it. But us guys, were like, no, nah, I'm good. Everything's great in my life. Yeah, God's great. Praise his name. Instead of actually just really having a, a relationship with somebody enough to be able to say, bro, I need you to pray for me. Like, I'm having a really hard time. 
So make simple adjustments in your life. Maybe it is, I've never been a journaler. Maybe it is buy a journal and start writing down what you're reading about to help cement it in your brain. Do you have any idea what education is all about? Some of those things that we get in the education system, they are so helpful. The fact that you hear a teacher speak it, that you write it down, that you go back and reread it, that you're tested on your cognitive ability to remind yourself of what you learned. Those things are important, yet somehow we think, well, we could just clock in on a Sunday for 30, 45, an hour, and we can go on about our life without really diving deeper. So I want to encourage you, make a simple adjustment. Time to t- from time to time, we need to step back and evaluate, identify specific obstacles in our relationship with God. And the truth of the matter is, there may be something that you don't want God to help you with. And maybe that's why you lack the hunger. Because you've tamed that hunger because you say, ah, I don't really want you in that part of my life, Lord. But he wants to be in every... Here's the thing. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of every area of our lives, our relationship, our, our, our mind, our thoughts, our work life, in all of those things, he desires to be all in with us. And he stands ready to be all in with you and I. It's us that need to make the adjustment to be all in with him. The last point, really, it's the title of the message, but I wanted to share it in this way. Just as a commitment, go all in. So what you've prayed and didn't get the answer when you wanted to? Stop being a baby. I'm sorry, that was for somebody in Facebook land. (laughs) So what you've prayed time and time again and it still hasn't happened That's what faith is all about. Believe and keep believing. Stand loyal to the God you've committed your soul, your life to. Go all in. Trust that he knows what you're going through and that he sees what you're dealing with and that he wants to help you. Switch it up a little bit. And going back to that other thing about making a simple adjustment, read a psalm a day. Listen to the hearts that are poured out in the book of Psalms about God. I feel forgotten and left alone, but I remember there was this one time you were with me and I'm holding on to that truth and I'm marching forward. Go all in. And that's a real, it's not a point that I put on the screen, but number seven could be stop being a baby and start growing up in your faith in God. Really push forward. Discipline yourself. Because the truth is about going all in, eternity will reveal that holding out is losing out. If we hold out on God, we are missing out on so much that God has for us. And I don't want our church to be that church. I want our church to be the one that remembers that he's generous and he'll never deny when we approach him. My dad, God bless him if he watches this video. And we just came out of Father's Day. I think he's one of the best fathers a man could have. 
He worked several jobs. He was in ministry. And yet I cannot remember a single time that I came to him at the end of his long day doing two, three different jobs at some points, working in restaurants, working in ministry, delivering things, him sitting down in the recliner or sitting down on the couch and me coming up and saying, hey dad, how's your day? Hey dad, will you play with me? I can't remember a moment where he denied me. He probably did, but I blocked it out of my mind. The point being this, that he was a good dad, but your heavenly father is so much greater. And he won't deny that request. I think our hunger for God is a a measurement of our spiritual health. And I think that's really what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about our church is that I want us to remain and be even more spiritually healthy. I want to encourage you this week, even in this moment, I've asked the worship team to prepare to do two songs today at the end and got a shorter message so that we would have just a moment extra to be in his presence. If you need to separate from the family member that's next to you and find a different chair or you want to come and pray up here or stand in the back and pray, I just want us to take just a moment and own up to our failure of being hungry and say, God, you know what? That message hit, hit a chord in my heart, struck a chord with me. I'm not as hungry as I think I could be. Lord, it's, it's been a while since we've been together in a deep and a serious conversation. And I want that time again. And to just press into his presence. Remember, James chapter four, verse eight says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you.